Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, Living Water. How are you guys doing? That was, a, that was an awesome time of worship. I'm happy when, when God starts to stir things up and stir people up a little bit. Good morning. If, if I haven't met you already and if I haven't had the honor of meeting you, my name is Pastor Sean, and I'm one of the privileged pastors here at Living Water. Now, for those of you in-house today especially, you may notice something a little bit different about the stage, just a little bit different. Well, I'm going to tell you that um, we, we walked in this morning and found a kind of a mess on the stage. If we show that first picture, this is kind of what we walked into seeing this morning. Yeah, what the heck? And, uh, and if you happen to look above, you'll see like there's a, you can't see it on the camera, but there's kind of a big hole in the top of the stage, isn't there? Another next, the next uh, shot will show that's what it kind of looked like and, and all that. So, so that's kind of what the morning started off like. But I want to say that we have an awesome team here. So the worship team was here along with members from the, the production team. And they were getting busy saying, well, okay, there's a problem. What do we got to do? Let's fix it because church is happening. Amen? Amen. So the team rallied around and we got it cleaned up and made some slight adjustments and church is going to happen in Jesus' name. Amen? So I want to thank everyone who, who, who participated in helping to get us going. And the, the funny thing is, I was, I was speaking with the team this morning, and I said, man, there's, there's always a silver lining. Because as much as we might walk into this, and I know I was one this morning that walked in and said, Lord, come on, really? Of all days, like now? But then I was like, you know what? This could have been worse. What if that happened during the middle of the service? That would have been worse, right? So, you know, God, God is good. His timing is impeccable. And, I'm, and I think he, he loved the fact that we, we responded to the challenge that, that uh, was presented this morning. So um, thank you to the team. A teacher asked her, her children in her Sunday school class, if I sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale and I gave all the money to the church, would I get into heaven? And then the class all answered, no, that's not going to get you into heaven. She said, okay, if I clean the church every day, I mowed the yard, you know, kept everything neat and tidy, then would I get into heaven? Again, the answer was a resounding, no. Well, she continued, then how can I get into heaven? And in the back of the room, a five-year-old boy shouted, you got to be dead. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. We've been in a series entitled, Fight. And we've been looking at some biblical teachings and some practical ways to stop fighting with or against our families and instead fighting for our families. Amen? And if you've missed any of the messages over the past few weeks, um, we've looked at things like fighting like a man, fighting like a woman, 
fighting for our marriages, fighting for our children. If you missed any of them, go check them out on our YouTube page. They're all there. And while you're there, you might as well subscribe and and follow us and and do all that good stuff. So it's always a good thing to do that. But today, we're going to conclude the fight series. And today's message is a little bit different because the target isn't one specific group of people, like men or women or children. It's not one specific group, but rather it's, it's, it's to everyone who calls themselves a Christian or a Christ follower. The title of today's message is Fight for Your Life. Now, I'm going to ask a question. How many of you like to fight? I almost want to say don't put up your hands. No one? Okay, no one. So let me, how many of you prefer to be in conflict with someone rather than have total peace? I don't see any hands, and I'm not calling you guys liars, but I am saying there are people that prefer to have conflict. There are people that like to have that edge, that bantering, that bickering that goes on. There are people that absolutely live for that. They strive for that. No one in here I know, and no one watching us, online that does that apply to when you when you hear the word fight or you think about the word fight what kind of thoughts come to mind for you for me i think of things like okay is it physical is it verbal i I think about the words like getting angry or being upset and maybe arguing i even think of the word war and that's that's a good word that's a good word there war when it comes to fighting For many of us, I think we see fighting or war as a choice that we make, whether we're going to fight or we're going to go to war. It's a choice that we make. And that if we we choose to opt out of getting into the fight or opt out of going to war, and that's it, then that's it. We totally avoid it. It's all within our control. We don't have to go to it if we choose not to. And then if we do end up fighting, in our natural human minds, I think we, we expect to, to see or feel something that, that resembles or looks like conflict or strife, that the fight would be something that we perceive physically, right? Someone's hitting us or someone's attacking us or something that we feel emotionally because our rage builds up. We're angry or, or we're crying or, or whatever it is, right? I think we expect that there's some sort of physical or emotional connection that aligns with us fighting or us being at war. So if we were in war or if we were fighting, then clearly we would realize it because we'd feel it, because we'd know it, right? Well, John 10.10 is a well-known scripture, and it says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Let's break this down a little bit. There is a thief. I think we all know that. We know that based on teachings in the Bible. But is the reality that there is a thief something that you have in your mind? On a day-to-day basis, when you live your life, when you wake up in the morning, when you put... You put your clothes on, you brush your teeth, you're going to work or you're going to school. Is the reality that there is a thief, there is an enemy out there, is that reality for you? Do you understand that? Is it a part of your conscious mind? He means us no good. 
the enemy. Means us no good at all. Not, not whatsoever. Is that the reality in your mind? There's a lot of people that, that think that the enemy that we're against, I mean, he's, he's, he's a bad guy, but, you know, I got this under control, right? Or, you know, maybe, maybe he's taking a, a vacation, so the enemy's not, not, not after me today. You know, maybe I haven't done enough God stuff to have the enemy be, be upset with me right now. So, you know, maybe that's, that's you know, that ebb and flow in terms of he, when he means me bad or when, when we're okay, Right? Is that the reality in your mind, that he's always after you and he means no good to you? Is that the reality in your mind? Jesus said in that scripture that his purpose, Jesus' purpose, is to offer you a rich and satisfying life. Well, what does that mean? What does a rich and satisfying life mean? A life that's meaningful, right? A life that has some sort of purpose, Hopefully you're tracking where I'm going this morning so far, right? You're all still with me? Not still looking at the, the hole in our roof, right? All right. We have been offered life itself. We've been offered life from Jesus because he's the only one that can give us true life. But there is an enemy, and the enemy's goal is to see you and me fail. His goal is to see us destroyed. We have an enemy that has an agenda. He has plans. And he's not giving up. He's not sleeping. Any fans of the movie Lord of the Rings in here? I see one out in the hallway. I see one back there. Lord of the Rings, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's, a, it's long, but it's a fantastic, fantastic movie. And in the Lord of the Rings, in the movie The Two Towers, there's a fearful and timid king. The king's name is Theoden. And he's reluctant to go to war. He's the king of the land, and he's reluctant to go to war. And there's an army marching toward his lands, an army that was bred for a single purpose, to destroy the world of men. That's their purpose. Villages fall, women and children are slain. Still, the king of the land balks, saying, I will not risk open war. Take a look at this clip. They had no warning. They were unarmed. Now the wild men are moving through the Westfold, burning as they go. Rick Cotton Tree. This is but a taste of the terror that Saruman will unleash. All the more potent for he is driven now by fear of Sauron. Ride out and meet him head on. Draw him away from your women and children. You must fight. You have 2,000 good men riding north as we speak. Aemer is loyal to you. His men will return and fight for their king. They will be 300 leagues from here by now. Aemir cannot help us. I know what it is you want of me, but I will not bring further death to my people. I will not risk open war. 
Open war is upon you, whether you would risk it or not. The king says, I will not risk open war. And Aragon responds to him saying, open war is upon you, whether you would risk it or not. I read a quote that I think is, is all too appropriate and very, very true. And it said this, we and the world, my children, will always be at war. Retreat is impossible. Arm yourselves. Whether you know it or not, feel it or not, want to accept it or not, believe it or not, it's there. It's, it's kind of like, like the young kid who, when they're, you know, two, three years old, who wants to play hide and seek with you, and they, you say, go hide, and they run like to an open area, and they cover their eyes like this, and as far as they're concerned, they're hiding, you can't see them, whether they believe it or not, whether that's true or not. If you just look at some of the the most popular movies of all time, things like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Braveheart or Gladiator, some great, mo- some great movies. These stories, they're all about this cosmic battle between good and evil. They're all about that. And you don't have to look too hard to see that these are a clear reflection of the true story of God and mankind. There's a cosmic battle going on. Pastor Sean, I hear you, but what are you you saying? Like, what does this mean to me? Like, what do I need to understand or what do I need to do? I'm so glad you asked me that. Let's get on the same page here. First and foremost, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. Ephesians 5 says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. How many know there's evil days going on right around us, in our neighborhoods, in our country, in this world? There's evil going on every day. We need to wake up to the fact that Christianity is all about transformation. Christianity is about changing. It's about evolving, but not in the way the world talks about evolution. It's talking about evolving to the things of God, amen? And to the like-mindedness of Christ. Christianity is not a religion about going to Sunday school. It's not about having potlucks or having car washes to raise fun for for, for camp. It's not about sending our, our secondhand clothes off to those with less. And while all those things may be good, it's not what Christianity is about. We live in a world that is at war, in the earthly and spiritually. There's something large and immensely dangerous that it's grow- that's growing and unfolding all around us. And as far as I'm concerned, it's gotten a lot worse over the past couple of years. Just look at the evil and the hate that we see around this entire world. 
We are closer now to the end of days than we've ever been. We're all in it. Whether we pretend we're the, the kid closing their eyes or we're, our eyes are open, we're all in it. And we all have a role to play in it. 2 Corinthians 5. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, any Christ followers in here? Anyone belong to Christ? Amen. Amen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When you put your trust in Jesus and you let him in, like truly let him in, not just, not just to the foyer, but like to the back room, when you truly let him in, he will transform your life and he will make you a new creation. You won't even recognize what you used to look like. He'll wipe you so clean. He'll break you out of captivity. He'll break you out of bondage. The things that you couldn't do before, now you can do. The shackles will be loosed and we'll be free in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. He will give you spiritual eyes to see things through a, a different lens. Not the lens that, that the world wants you to look at. Not what's shown on TV or what all your friends are saying. But the lens that he wants you to look at things through. Amen? Amen. He'll do that. And he will use you for his purposes. As we see in, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Anyone in bondage today, freedom is coming. Oppression and strongholds will fall in Jesus' name. It goes on to say, He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks, that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Come to Jesus and let him transform your life and let him use you. It's part of the meaningfulness I spoke about, the purpose that I mentioned earlier. And he's ready and he's willing and he is able to heal a hurting and broken world, even as messed up as it is right now. How many of you know God is bigger than a pandemic? Yeah? Yeah, amen. He'll use you and me, but first we gotta open our eyes and we have to wake up. We have to know that there's something going on. It's kinda like, do you guys remember the movie The Matrix? Sometimes I feel like I'm living in the matrix. Like, am I the only one that sees this? Am I, am I awakened in the matrix or am I in the... It's crazy, but I, I promise you, a lot of times with some of the stuff that I feel and I see on a daily basis, I'm like, is anyone seeing what I'm seeing? Like, am I the only one that's out of the matrix? I'm just joking. But it's, maybe I'm in the matrix and everyone else is out of the matrix. I don't know. 
So what are we waking up to? What are we waking up to? Well, I said it already. We're waking up to the reality that there is a spiritual war and we're all in it. Whether we know it or not, whether we agree to it or not, we're in it. So who are we in war against? Well, a couple points. One, we are at war against the world. 1 John 2. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. See, the world, the world tries to get us to be consumed by its things, the things of the world, not the things of God. That's what the world's focus is. It's extremely evident if you take a look. Again, maybe if you just stop, wake up a little bit and look around. Take a look around at things that are promoted as important. The things that the world says, these are what your focus should be. The things that are more meaningful in society. Things like having power. Things like being famous or being popular. Having financial wealth. Climbing the corporate ladder to get to the top. Winning the trophy, no matter what the cost. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not against competing. I'm not against working hard. I'm not against being successful. I want to be successful myself. I'm not against having money. You've heard Pastor Rick say, I'd rather have money than not have money, right? So I'm not against that. What I'm saying is that the world's focus is on these things as most important. That's what I'm saying. That's the goal of the world. Attain these things. Reach these levels. Do this. Do that. If you do that by the, by the world standards, you're a success. You know, good job. And even though at times the world does include God in its agenda, it does not put him in his rightful place as creator, as king, as master, as Lord. So even when the world acknowledges God, it's not acknowledging him in his rightful place. We are at war against the world. We are also at war against Satan. First Peter 5, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Let me say that again. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. You're not singled out. The enemy is after all of us around the world. If you're following Christ, you're on his hit list. You are a target. When it comes to the war against Satan, we are dealing with spiritual warfare. And before we engage in spiritual warfare, you need to know that, that Satan is an ancient and extremely dangerous enemy. There's a lot of people walking around thinking that they got this, and in their own power, they can resist the devil, and he will flee. 
I promise you that in your own power versus the devil, you will always lose. You will always, always lose. And the number one way that the devil tries to to overcome us is by getting us to be in strife or in conflict with one another. And because God knows this is his main tactic, God warns us. Second Timothy says, and they, and the they is you and me, it's us, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Let me give you one, one simple example. When we have a conflict with someone, and everyone does, no one's suggesting that you're never going to have conflict. When we have a conflict with someone and we choose to carry feelings, we choose not to forgive, not to even try to work through the situation, the devil will use that as a trap to keep us moving forward, keep us from moving forward in Jesus. It keeps us from progressing in our development as Christians. The Lord tells us to transform our mind and our behavior also comes along with it, right? There's also the fruit of the Spirit that's spoken about. And when we decide that we're not going to forgive or we're going to hold feelings against someone, we are stifling our own growth and our own development as Christians. If someone hurts you, as hard as it may be, choose to forgive them. It's a choice. Choose to forgive them. Some people say, I can't forgive them. Well, there's no I can't forgive them. It's I won't forgive them because you can, you choose not to. Uh, If someone hurts you, choose to forgive them, as I said. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath or on your anger. I will say that that is much easier said than done. I've been married for, for a number of years. I love you, babe. And sometimes, and this is, goes both ways, a lot easier said than done. However, it should certainly be the goal. Amen? It should certainly be the goal. The longer that we stay at odds with one another, and this could be within the, the context of a, a, a marriage relationship, with your family situation, or even friends, the longer you stay at odds with one another, the more time you're giving the enemy to get into your mind and plant seeds and build up more layers, harden your heart. That's what you're allowing to happen. And I want to tell you that a major area of spiritual warfare that has come against us as believers is in the area area of church relationships. There's a lot of challenges with church relationships. Why do you think that is? Well, we're human, but why do you think we see it so much in the church? Because the enemy knows that a church divided within itself cannot stand. And what does cannot stand mean? Does it mean that the church is, is going to fold? Maybe, maybe not. But at a minimum, it does mean that the church will not be as effective for Christ's purposes. That in itself is a church, a church divided can simply result in that church is not being effective for what God wants it to be. The church is stagnant. It's not moving forward. It's not progressing. You follow me? Amen. Jesus said, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks will come. It's inevitable that stumbling blocks will come. 
But every time you refuse to forgive someone, your heart not only hardens toward the person or the people, it also is hardening toward God, as I said. You're building up layers. Whether you, you think you're isolating, I'm upset with them, but I'm good with everything else, God didn't design your heart to work that way. So there is hardening happening across the board when you choose not to forgive someone or to keep, keep feelings against someone. That doesn't mean that you need to, the other person needs to forgive you as well. You do what you are responsible to do, amen? You forgive, and if they don't forgive, that's on them. You do what God has called you to do as a follower of him. Many people stumble over little faults and human weaknesses. I'm guilty of this. I think we probably all are. Things that are really the small things. We stumble over these things. These minor things are quickly, quickly, quickly pumped up by the enemy into great big problems, especially if we don't address them when they're minor things. Listen to me. Get this picture in your head. People don't stumble over boulders. They stumble over stones. People don't stumble over boulders. They stumble over stones, the little things. That's where it begins. Somebody needs to hear that. Let's recap really quickly. What was number one? We need to wake up. Number two, A, I'm going to say the second one. We are at war against the world. Next one is we are at war against Satan. Good. Golden star for everyone. Just give yourself a pat on the back. Good job. So now what do we do about it? Good. We're at war with all these things. We need to wake up. What do we do about it? Well, the answer, we need to arm ourselves. I'm encouraged because I'm going to give you a couple points here, but I'm actually encouraged because the next series coming up right after this is God's PPE, personal protective equipment, and we're going to continue talking about how we arm ourselves and we get into the right fight. Amen? Amen? So how do we do that? How do we arm ourselves? What does that even look like? Well, first and foremost, we need to spend time with, spend daily time with Jesus. Not once a week on a Sunday. Not once a week or twice a week when we go to church on a Sunday and we do a midweek Bible study. We need to spend daily time with our Lord, with our Father. Anything that you do frequently and consistently, anything, will rub off on you, good or bad. Anything you do consistently and frequently will rub off on you. That's how habits are formed, right? Either good or bad. What better to have rub off on you than some Jesus? That, I would love that to rub off on me. Rub off, come on, Jesus. Rub off on me a little more. I love it. I love it. John 15 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Everyone say this last part with me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And the church said, amen. amen. The most important battle that we fight is usually our personal time 
with Jesus in prayer and in the world. Our personal time with Jesus. In the Word, sorry. And let me be very, very frank with you. If we continue to lose this battle, this battle of spending time with Jesus daily, if we continue to lose this battle, we will lose the, the war to the world and to Satan as individuals. We will if, you don't, if we can't get to that first part right. I promise you that in my own personal life, the times when I've been steadfast and focused on seeking and searching and wanting to learn and wanting to grow and do more and more and more, I've seen more success in my life from a, from a relationship perspective, from a God perspective than times when Jesus was second or third on my list. Real talk. So what else do we need to do to arm ourselves? We need to stay close and connected with other Christians, with other believers. We need to stay connected and support each other. You've heard it said that no man is an island. That's especially true of Christians. There's no super Christians out there that can do everything on their own. The people that you see leading the way that you think are the super Christians, I promise you, there are people that they are counseling with, that are lifting them up, that are supporting them. They're a part of a team and a group. They may be the face of something, but I promise you, there are no super Christians that are able to do this thing on their own. They don't exist. We weren't, we weren't made to be an island. We weren't made to be isolated. We were made for community and communion with one another. We need to stay connected. We, we need to have each other's back especially when the going gets tough. Take a look at this clip from our Lord of the Rings friends again. I will take it. Shut up, Lord. I will take it. I will take the ring to Mordor. possible to separate you even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. Wait, we're coming too! We'll have to send us all tied up in a sack to stuff it. Anyway, you need people of intelligence on this sort of mission, quest, thing. Well, that rules you out. Companions. 
a bit. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Where are we going? And the church said, hey. So if you didn't know what that was about, someone needed to take this ring to this place, and no one wanted to do it. And the small guy said, I'll do it. I just don't know the way to go. And then everyone, one by one, started saying, I'll go. I'll go. I got your back. I'll help you. I'll support you. That's what that was about. That's what we need to be doing as Christians. That's what we need to be doing as believers and those following Christ. Amen? Genesis 2 tells us, Then the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Meaning, we need more than one. We need more than one. Ecclesiastes 4 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Amen? Christianity isn't about going to a building once a week on a Sunday morning or whatever day you would go to church. It's about a calling, and it's about a mission ordained by God in the battle for souls, the souls of hurting people, the souls of broken people, souls of men, women, children. That's what it all boils down to. That's what God is after. He wants souls. He wants every single person to know him as, his, as their father and ultimately come to know Jesus as their personal savior. We need to wake up. We are at war. Again, whether we have our blinders on or not, you are at war. We need to arm ourselves by spending daily time with Jesus and staying close and connected with other Christians. I recognize that this isn't necessarily easy, but I promise you that if you want to make a difference for Jesus, it's essential. Amen? Now I want to I want to I want to create an opportunity for every single person whether you're in this building or whether you're watching us online um, today or anytime in the future if you have not accepted Jesus as your personal savior that's really your first step that's ultimately what God is, has called us as believers as Christ followers to be doing to tell people what God has done for them to tell people the goodness of God and to give everyone the opportunity to know God for themselves on a personal level. And that's what God wants. So if that's you, if you don't have a personal relationship with God, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give everyone the opportunity to do that right now. I'm going to ask everyone to, to bow their heads and to close their eyes. And I'm going to say a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to, if that's you this morning, just say the prayer alongside me. 
There's no secret words in the prayer. It's all about the, the condition of your heart. And God is the one that's listening to you. So say something like this. Father, I come before you today as a broken person in need of a Savior. Father, I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins and wash me clean. Father, I accept the, the free gift that you offer me by your son, Jesus. I invite him into my heart today. And I ask, Lord, that you would, you would change my mind and you would change my heart to the things that please you and honor you. Lord, I pray that you would give me eyes to see what's going on around me. That you would give me ears to hear. Father, I pray that you would give me the boldness, the courage, and the strength to follow you even when it's hard, even when it's opposite of what the world is saying. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Change my life. I praise you and I honor you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name, I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.